Welcome to Unsilent with your hosts, Dave and Brian. This is not another current events podcast. We're digging deeper, diagnosing, and discussing what's really going on today, how we got here, and providing observations for future generations. Welcome to Unsilent. We're Brian and Dave. So we hope you let us know where you think we got it right and where we botched it, you know, and you could do that by visiting unsilentpodcast.com or any of our social channels. So let's get into it. I think today I'm going to start off with a topic. Is that okay with you, Brian? What are you doing here? What's going on? Like, this is, this is spontaneity. We don't do that. We, we're going to, we're going to do an unplanned, uh, unscripted, like unplanned, we always do. Unplanned, unscripted, unsilent. All right. I got you. Yeah. Unplanned, unsilent, unscripted. That's the way All we right, do it. All right. Lay it on me. What you got, brother? So, you know, I've been thinking about, we get some weird stuff happening in the United States. Well, in the world today. Yeah. And, uh, we're, right now, one of the things that's happening, contextually speaking, is the attempt to keep, uh, President Trump off the ballot and the corresponding reaction by other people on the opposite side who say, well, you keep him off. We're going to keep uh, Biden off the ballot. And then you'll have blue states with one set of ballots and red states with another set of ballots, yeah. which in my estimation is a prelude to a complete societal breakup. Because once you start messing with the most fundamental thing, which is voting for the president, you, yeah. you don't really have a culture anymore. So what leads then to a societal uh, breakup of this nature where there can't even be a, a potential agreement on what qualifies somebody to be on the ballot. Well, first thing is, if I could answer this question with any level of authority, I would be a billionaire and I would not be doing this podcast probably today. <laughs> yes, right. so that's the first thing. I would own a Caribbean island somewhere if I could, if I had right. the, the, the wherewithal to figure all this stuff out. But I'll take my best guess at it. And it kind of, for me, it goes back to, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, when I was in your office, we recorded, we were talking about Abraham Lincoln and how he basically violated the law during the Civil War. He paused right. habeas corpus, which is a cornerstone of our entire governmental system, yep. uh, certainly the legal system. And he basically paused that. And you and I both kind of said, yeah, well, that's what he did. But we really like Abraham Lincoln a lot and we like the outcome he got. So, yeah, we're OK with that. And he he essentially broke the law. Now, I don't. I don't know if I would say that what he did is better or worse. I would say it's on par with what's what we're seeing now. Like um, habeas corpus is a is a a truly fundamental part of what we of our legal system, as is, is a citizen's right to cast their vote to pick the delegates that vote that choose the president is a fundamental right, right of ours. I would say they're pretty equal, and so I've been thinking about this a lot the last few weeks because I left that episode kind of not feeling great about what you and I came up with, which was we we were okay with people breaking the law when it has not come we we like, as in Abraham Lincoln's case, but we absolutely right. are, are vehemently opposed to the outcomes we don't like, which is what we're seeing now. And it keeps for me coming back, and I'm gonna sound like a broken record and I'm I apologize for that, but I, I think it's accurate, which is values trump the law. Values trump the legalities, values trump the legal structure and the and the the uh, the structure that created the 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 country. So, um, you know, you have this agreed upon set of values, and then the law facilitates that. And yes. we're quibbling over the law, but once the law is no, we're no longer able to quibble over that. Then we're going to be we're going to be forced 
to reconcile the differences of our values. And that's where, <clears throat> again, my opinion is, I'm not educated on this stuff. It's, I'm just a, a layman trying to figure this out like everybody else. But my belief is when it comes to things like values or many things, there's only four ways to come to agreement. One, you start with agreement. Two, you, one party convinces the other. Three, one party tricks the other. And four, one party forces the other. Right. I don't know of any alternatives. And I think those are the four choices we will have. And we have we don't have agreement out of the gates. So that one's out. Right. Um, I, I've seen, I see less and less ability or interest in one party convincing the other, like through like, you know, regular like salesmanship or whatever you want to call it. Right. That one seems less and less uh, likely. And we are seeing, I believe, um, large scale trickery happening just with simple things with what does democracy mean now? And when we say we're sure. going to protect the, the whatever, what's the phrase they're using? Like to, to protect the sanctity of the, our democracy. <laughs> well, we don't even agree on what that means anymore. So that's trickery. Yeah. Now we're using yeah. words. We know the other people don't believe the same thing as we do. Or right. we're saying things like Donald Trump shouldn't be on the ballot because he did. He was he was he, he was in insurrection. In insurrection. Well, that's that's BS. He's not been convicted of an insurrection, and it's <laughs> arguably it wasn't even an insurrection to begin with. Whatever. Again, so now we're into tr the trickery mode, and when that one fails, and the and the law is not able to force us to come together and maintain the values <laughs> we started with, there's only right. one option left, in my opinion. Yeah, and it, and it's brutal, and and it's happened over and over. Yeah. There is a, you know, sometimes people argue about this idea of, of ethics and values and morality and law, and they'll say something to the effect of, uh, you can't legislate morality. But right. in, in reality, in reality about morality, that's kind of cool. In yeah, reality yeah. about morality, law is nothing more than shared, uh, values being legislated, being codified, yeah. being put on paper. And so therefore, I don't remember, I should know this off the top of my head, but one of the founders said you, the, the constitution is meant for a moral people. It's right. meant for a, a, and, and if you don't have a shared morality, if, if there are two competing moralities, then what ends up happening is as in the case that I was bringing up, what you have is both sides saying the law is an outcome of the correct morality, which happens to be a my morality. And so if you've yeah. got two different, if you, that most fundamental disagreement on values is what ultimately ends up breaking apart uh, a nation. And it, it's happened before. And I think the application, you know, the, we'll all be long dead by the time that Kenny G comes around. But I think yeah. the application in his day will in some way be similar to this values discussion that we're having right now. If there is, if there's two sets of competing values that are irreconcilable, then, then how do you, how do you keep a nation together? How do you keep it from falling apart completely? Well, my opinion for, um, since really the, the summer of 2020, my opinion has been, there's only really, um, three ish possible ways to do what you're describing. One right. is like this, this idea of civil war. And again, I don't mean like, you know, trenches and muskets, although I'm not ruling that out. But when I say yeah. civil war, it doesn't have to be that. It could be an economic war. It could be lot, it could be lots of, lots of different things. Right. It could be a trade war between states. And I won't give you agriculture and I won't give you Netflix. I don't know. I, who knows yeah. what it could be, right? It doesn't have to be muskets and trenches is my point. But civil war is certainly one option. Um, another option is just like happened in World War II. 
where people, because of the, the, the magnitude of us fighting the Germans and us fighting the Japanese, it's not even really remembered or talked about. But there wasn't that much. There was a very similar um, period in the 30s, especially, um, but the 20s leading up to that, where, uh, and especially after the Great Depression, after the crash of 29, where this argument between free markets and communism was very, very strong. Yeah, and people were afraid that FDR was going to basically bring in communism. And that's completely been lost because of the magnitude of World War II. Right. So what happened then is this argument that we're seeing now, to some extent, I can't say if it was the same or less or more than what we're feeling now, but was preempted by an outside force attacking Pearl Harbor. Sure. Um, so an outside force threatening the 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 sovereignty, the safety, the the whatever of the country forced everyone to come together right now. Right. So that's the second option is some kind of outside force comes in and unites us because that outside force, um, our disagreement with them is much, much greater than our disagreement with yeah. each other. So that's the second option. Right. The third option is the government becomes so corrupt, so bastardized, so not functional, so cynical and tyrannical that the people unite against the government. Yeah. And I think that those are the three most likely outcomes. And again, I, I don't necessarily mean it has to be like, you know, guns and airplane battle, but, but history has shown us that that is typically how it's done. And in each one of those, there's an alignment of values that takes place. Yes. So in in the one where, for instance, an outside force comes in, we go to war with China or something like that. Yep. The the shared values return because the shared values are at that point not having to do with anything we're talking about now, but are are we going to live or are we going to die? Is our country yeah. going to live or are we going to die? And we want to live, even if it means living with those uh, so and sos that we really don't like next door. Yeah. Or it becomes a shared value that is enforced upon us by a tyranny that becomes a shared value in in yeah. that scenario so that in our every case, freedom our value. individual freedoms are we value that more than we value adherence to this regime right right or yeah. in or in the real uh in the one where the where tyranny ultimately wins out like in 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 germany it still came down to we value our germanness and we let yeah. somebody else define that Germanness in yeah. in nefarious and evil ways, uh, but we value our Germanness, and so therefore they follow along something that would have that that value of of your national identity, if you want to call it that, accelerates beyond other values that you hold closely that you've held dearly from then from before then. So, yeah, and in all three of those cases, one of the things that I think snaps, I, I, I imagine it's like a rubber band, and you and I have talked about the difference in the guys who are 21 years old or 28 years old in 1946 who had served in World War II in either theater, doesn't matter. Right. They had a sense of duty. Right. And then you look at 21 to 28-year-olds now, uh, they have a sense of entitlement. And I think that that's like a rubber band that gets stretched and stretched and stretched. And in any one of those scenarios that I laid out as, as being seemingly likely scenarios, that rubber band will snap immediately because – People will no longer be judged on their um, uh, intention and they won't be judged on how they get to be morally superior by saying the right things. Overnight, it will matter what can you do to actually affect a positive impact or outcome for the cause. Not right. in an abstract, you mean well, and you're the Dylan Mulvaney 
dancing around and, and displaying these values. But what can you do to protect your platoon? Like right. overnight, it will change and we will be right back to or rapidly moving back to the 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 sense of duty required to take care of those around you. And I, I think that is going to be an interesting thing to watch again, to see if my kind of hypothesis for lack of a better word, I have no way to, I have nothing to base this off of other than my interpretation of history and what I'm seeing now, but to see if it is like that rubber band effect where overnight, whether we're at war with China, we're at war with the tyrannical government that AI has taken over or whatever it is, or even in a civil war situation, it will matter way more what you do than what your intentions are. So, so what you're saying then is ultimately that fear and pain cause a societal reset. Yeah. A societal reset of values. So, so it isn't, so it's not even, so that rubber band is not a conscious thing that society does. It's a natural reaction to the fear of extinction or the pain that we're going through in that particular time that brings us back to reality. Sort of a, it's, it's almost a, um, uh, a, a self-correcting mechanism built into the fabric of, of society that causes I, I this to happen. I kind of look at it like, you know, imagine the, the, uh, a, a, a object in the middle and a bunch of rings around it and kind of like a, who is it that has the hierarchy of needs, that Pavlov or, oh, or Maslow. Maslow's Maslow. hierarchy of needs. So I kind of imagine like that where the values are the thing at the center and then maybe the law is the first ring out and then maybe um, social um uh decorum is the next ring out or i've yeah. not thought this through so i had no idea what the seven to nine rings are or, or how many there might be three there might be 12 i don't know but but i kind of imagine like we kind of have gone through this expansion on these rings but now we're retreating back and we'll, we'll be retreated back to all we can defend is our values and what right. will tell us if i if i'm going down i'm going down defending what i think was right which trumps the law it trumps social decorum it trumps yeah. All these other things that we've been kind of bickering about for the last 40 yeah. years, 30 years, 20 years. I kind of imagine it like that. Like people get, we get, they get forced into a corner where it's fight, freeze or flight. You know, that it's, yeah. it's, I kind of imagine it like that, but, but the values are what they is the last post they'll defend. I think. Right. Right. Because, and I think it it has to do with that cycle of success leading to excess. Yeah, so our, you know, we can afford to argue about this and that and the other thing. Exactly. Afford is the right word. Hundred yeah, percent. We can afford yeah. to do it because we've got so much. We've got so much protecting leeway. Uh, yep. You know, between between fundamental survival and yep. uh, where we're at today. But then that yeah. shrinks and that shrinks and that shrinks. And and of course, the problem with this is that it shrinks into places that we've never experienced before in our lifetime. Our ancestors have, so they understand yeah. it. The people who went through world war two have the people who went through the civil war, the revolutionary war. They've, they experienced the the reduction of their of their margins, if you will, between yeah. survival and your the aspirations you have. You know, well, we want to we want everybody to get along. We want nobody to be offended, and all. all well, eventually, it's like, uh, no, we just need to eat. That's that's all. We just need to eat. We just need to uh, have have uh, shelter over our heads, and we don't want to be shot. That's that's all. Yeah, that yeah. tracks it again. 
Dave, I got an IT problem here. I need you to continue that thought for 30 seconds. I got to plug a wire into my computer. So I'll be, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll continue that. Well, and so we, we do see that. Interestingly, we see that in, in other societies as well. If we look at what happened in, in uh, World War II, uh, or World, World War I, rather, if we take a look at the, 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 um, the, the powers that ultimately went to war in World War One, they weren't the powers that started the war. So for, for Germany and for Russia, for instance, the two of the big, uh, antagonists in that war, they had the, the leeway to say, yes, we're supporting these people over here. We're supporting the Serbians. We're supporting the Austro-Hungarians. And, and it, it doesn't, it's no skin off our nose to support that. But what it ultimately came down to was, uh, was an expansion of hostilities that destroyed those empires. They didn't realize yeah. that they didn't have the leeway they thought they had. The, the czar or the Kaiser, neither of them realized they didn't have the leeway to make these uh, in fact, all of the different, you know, inter it's, it's fascinating, all of the different intertwining uh, treaties between the different nations that ultimately went to war over something that was really none of their business. It was just out, right. out there in, in, a, in a hinterland that most people couldn't identify. So th yeah. and that problem happens, I, I think, in society over and over when you become successful. You don't realize that you, you're making commitments and betting the future on things that could fundamentally uh, undermine and destroy your basic values system it's a yeah. it's a uh, that well, I, I love aspiration yeah. but that that kills you yeah and i think a thought i've been having over the last couple of days again I, you and i don't do like show prep we don't rehearse right. what we're going to talk about but it i do like stick around. It's, that's true we did we did a solid 38 seconds today for sure <laughs> but i do i do kick around ideas as i'm out walking and things like that or in the shower i i kick around ideas and like thoughts to prepare myself for this right. we, you know you and i don't do like show prep Again, my my reason for doing this is I don't want to be the person who lived, you know, the equivalent of the person who lived five miles from Auschwitz and didn't Auschwitz, say anything yeah. as, right. you know, millions of people were being gassed. Like I, right. I would, my values would not allow me to do that. That's right. that's hundred percent values driven. And so, thinking about again, just always ask myself, how could that have happened in that situation? How could it have happened? in world war ii how could it have happened in the revolutionary war i mean if you're if you're if you're british like the revolutionary war was not a great outcome and it was the same cycle we see now and i keep coming back to this kind of i agree with everything you just said about you know all these things end up like they don't matter they don't matter they don't matter and boom all of a sudden one day they matter they and how now. could that be and part of what i've come to the conclusion is in the defense of the gal who lived five miles from Auschwitz, I think so poorly of because her husband was not the war and she was there quietly making her bread every day and whatever, like nothing was going on. Um, our entire lives were surrounded by people who were full of shit. Like sure. everyone is always telling us they're going to go on a diet and they're going to build a, a, a race car and they're going to, they're going to fix up their house and they're going to build a business and they're going to like do all these grand things. And 87% of the time they're just they're just full of crap. Like it's just sure. those things just never happen. Right. Right. So our entire lives were conditioned for people to, to say these grand things, and it just never really happens. Right. So if you spent your whole life getting worked up every time somebody said they were going to overthrow the government or they were going to keep a presidential candidate off the off the ballot or whatever, you would you would have wasted a life defending things that right. are just never going to happen. Right. right. Exactly. So that's one thing. The second thing is. We don't know uh, what it's like to be in a real life situation. I think we were going to look in hindsight five years from now and say, 
we were definitely in that moment in 2024 as you and I are recording this. Sure. But you and I do not have in our lifetimes a period of time where we can say that bad things, like really, really awful bad things happen yeah. and nobody was there to legitimately like look out and stop it. Right, right. We So that's the second thing is our entire lives, somebody that we'll never know who it was, we'll never know their name. They had the 17th, cubicle on the third floor of the Pentagon, somebody somewhere like said, whoa, we can't do that. Or right. somebody in some political office said, whoa, timeout. Okay. That, we can't go that far. There, we right. can't do that. Right. And we've been conditioned that somebody somewhere that we don't know is a fail safe and it's not upon us. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's fair or unfair. I'm just saying this is what you and I have experienced, at least from my perspective in our lifetimes is somebody somewhere is the fail safe to prevent things from going too far. But that's been predicated on us all having the same values. And now that we don't have the same values, the person that would have pulled the fail safe in 1988 will not pull the fail safe now because pulling this fail safe would be the last thing they would do because the fail safe that we think of as fail safe to them is the kryptonite to their movement. Exactly. It's, it's, we we believe, and it's some of it's back to this idea of normalcy bias. That right. this has never happened before. the The government's never failed us before in this yep. in this way that we're talking about right now. And it's people talk about they shouldn't let this happen. Who's the they? Right? right? Who's the? Right. And and we assume that the they is somebody who's smart, who's in control, who who can see what's happening, who can see all the things that are happening around, and who has plans in order to uh, counteract those things. We, we talked about that, um, that movie that um, uh, what was it called? The one that the Obamas were involved in. Um, oh, and the, the last something uh, last, whatever. Yeah. Well, and, and the interesting thing about that, the, the, the sort of the, the pole line from that movie was this idea that, well, no, really nobody's in control. And the, they, that you think is out there is, um, is, is, is nobody. They're, they're not there. And so part of, I, I think part of the, the challenge of, of our day is, is having this, this, this faith that, um, well, it's just a storm. It'll blow over. You know, it's always blown over in the past. It's never been a problem before. You know, the, the Titanic's too big. It can't, you know, the people that built this right. anticipated everything. Uh, it, it, I don't care how big that iceberg is. We'll just brush past it. It'll be okay. And you don't realize that it won't until it's too yeah. late. That movie was leave the world behind. I've not seen it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've only, I've only heard bits and pieces about it. I don't, I don't know that I'll be, um, clamoring to go see that for sure but, <laughs> sure <laughs> people probably listen to us talking probably i listen rather watch that we listen to youtube yahoo's talk about the end of the world all the time. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> so so um you know again circling back to like all the things you just listed like somebody will be smart enough somebody will have a plan whatever and we always take for granted though that we will have an aligned value set Yes, because that's, yeah, that's all right. we've ever known. Again, yeah. that to the normalcy bias, like all we've ever known is a world where, of course, people all want a similar, not exact, but a similar version of what I was taught in third right. grade and seventh right. grade as what is a, mm-hmm. a a free market society. A you know, people often incorrectly call what we have a democracy. It's a constitutional right. republic or whatever. But right. but. But our version of democracy that everyone was taught in seventh grade history class, 
we kind of have this belief that of course they have the same, a similar view. It might not be sure. exactly the same, but of course it's pretty close. And I think we're going to look back um, five years from now, 10 years from now and say, no, how could we be so blind? It was right. our bias that, that had this with these rose colored glasses on every single indicator, every single sign you could think of was pointing to the fact. I mean, they're, they're actively, you know, keeping people from voting for who they want to for president. Sure. They're actively saying that there was a New York Congresswoman this week who actively said, yeah, I need more people in my district for redistricting talking about right. the illegal <laughs> people coming in outside the country. Like, there, there's there's no set of values that we could share that would say, okay, it's okay to have an open border to this extent. Like, right. there's very clear indicators that we're not on the same page. But for us to, the, the lift for people to to see that requires them giving up all those, those levels, those rings that you said we could afford, which was 100% right. accurate. They would have to sacrifice all those rings of comfort to defend the values and they just want to live their lives. They've they've accomplished great things in some cases. They have they have money in the bank. They have college funds for their kids. They have they have all these things that giving all that up would be like giving up their purpose of life so far. Well, in, in this in this goes to the to the notion that there is a common human uh, that, that the common values of humanity are, are transcendent across, across the globe. If you take a look at, for instance, the, uh, all the protests we see about the Middle East right now. So there's, there's this idea that, for instance, the, the Hamas and the people that support Hamas are, they, they just want to live their lives and they just want to have a place to live and, and they just want to have a, uh, an opportunity to raise their kids. But the reality of the situation <clears throat> is that there's a whole group of people that have an aspiration, and not to make this about current events again, but have an aspiration to be able to die in martyrdom and yeah. to destroy another set of people. No, and if if they can live, if their kids can live their lives, that's great, you know. If, uh, but it can't, but that can't take precedence over right. the desire that they've been taught all their lives to destroy their enemies and to wipe them out completely. Now, what do you make of that? Well, one of the things you make of that is that humanity doesn't necessarily share those same values. And, right. and in the in the situation with with Nazi Germany, um, no, they they can't be gassing people down the road yeah. for me. That, that can't. No, no, no. It's just conspiracy theories. That's right. that's not reality. Uh, because doesn't everybody just want what I want? A good job, three squares, yeah. and and my kids happy. I yeah. think that's, I, that's not, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I'm sure I'm, you know, paraphrasing for somebody who lived in 1943. I mean, again, paraphrasing for me lived in 1943. I would imagine them thinking or saying to their friends or neighbors, I wouldn't want to live around the Jews, but I certainly don't. There's no way they're gassing them. That would right. be too far. That would be too much. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be associated with them because that would reduce my, my social status because they are deemed less than by right. whoever is in charge of determining these, these things. Um, but to like actually just like kill them just for the sake of their ethnicity and religion, like that, that's gross. I would I imagine can't. most people thought that Yeah, you're right. But it, I, so I wonder then how that manifests, how that will manifest in the future. So right now we talk about, I mean, if you, if you look about, if you look at what could potentially break the U S apart right now in this whole election thing, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's access to the ballot by two incredibly unpopular people. Yeah. But, 
but what happens in that situation to, so, well, nobody's going to care. Kick Biden off. Nobody likes Biden. Kick Trump off. Nobody likes Trump. You know, there's, they, they have their core supporters, but nobody likes, you know, that, that would be sort of the, the societal uh, way of thinking. But if you, if you think about it back to the civil war and take the, the, how many people in the South actually own slaves? It wasn't a majority. It wasn't everybody. Yeah, it, was like, it was like 5% or something like that. It, yeah, it was a very I, small yeah, percentage. I, it's probably different than that. It, it was not very many. Yeah. It, it wasn't very many. So the, the, so there's a lot of people in the South that were like, you know, they, they, they weren't ardent slave supporters. And, you know, I no. mean. Uh, they were barely getting by on their own. They could barely keep a roof over their head that didn't leak. Exactly. And they, they had their own problems probably. Yeah. So why? So then why would they go to war over that? Or why would the folks in Chicago, were, were all the folks in Chicago who uh, wasn't a slave state and was, yeah. you know, and, and they didn't like, sure, we, yeah, slave, oh, that's, that's gross. But are they willing to go out and sacrifice their children for it? Well, they ended up doing that in the end. So why do you have, how do you get disinterested populations, or maybe not disinterested, but folks who aren't willing to literally die on that hill? How do you get them to go to war and kill 600,000 of your fellow Americans? Yeah. At first blush, well, my, wouldn't think, my wouldn't think understanding would. of the Civil War, which again is based on what I learned in seventh, eighth, and twelfth grade, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I could have had a crummy teacher who gave me bad information. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my understanding is part of what motivated the people in the South, like you're talking about, who who were not interested in slave anything. Yeah. they certainly didn't own slaves. Many of them worked alongside slaves to make money because they yep. they had they were you know before there were sharecroppers, they were sharecroppers or whatever. And it came down to states' rights versus the federal government's rights. The South was all about preserving the states' rights. For example, Robert E. Lee, the reason he became the general for the South was he was defending the state of Virginia. Had nothing to do right. with the Confederate States of America. He right. was defending, and his army was the Virginian, whatever, first army or whatever it was. And he was beholden, his honor was put on the line to defend the state or the commonwealth, forgive me, of Virginia. That's it. And so the, the states were in, in the, the rural people were defending their way of life to live where the states had more power than the federal government. And they wouldn't be told what to do by people who lived in New York City and Baltimore and, and Washington and all the places where they looked down their noses on people who lived in huts with leaky cedar roofs. And see, this is what it comes down to. This is the interesting part of it. So you tie all that up and you say it, it wasn't about, you know, necessarily grand philosophical issues, but it was those people against my tribe. So, yeah, yeah I'm not 100%. much in favor of slavery. I'm not, you know, uh, all of that in the South. Maybe they're saying that. But then but then here come the Northerners. They're coming against yeah. us. And yeah. it's the same thing with, you know, you've, you've got a lot of folks that you if you look at President Trump, what happens every time he gets indicted on something? He's got 91 indictments or something like that. Yeah. He gets more people that are like, well, yeah, I don't really like him that much, but that's totally unfair. That's completely right. wrong. And, or the same thing on, on the Biden side. Sure, he's a, he's, he can, you know, barely walk. He looks like he's, you know, belongs in a nursing home, but. Oh, but we, we, we gotta be, you know, we, we have to support him because we're against these other people do the, these extreme people coming against us. So it, yeah. it turns out that the value in, in those situations or in Nazi Germany, well, yeah, I don't know about, you know, the Jews. Yeah. You, but, but, you know, but Germany, but Germany, but Germany. So it, yeah. it comes down to these kinds of, 
you know, affiliations and, and tribalism that, uh, that become the preeminent value. It becomes the top yeah. value. It becomes the yeah. thing and, I and identify to, with more than anything else. Yeah. And to be clear, while I'm sympathetic to the people we're describing who lived in rural parts of Mississippi and Alabama who had nothing to do with slavery and things like that, were barely eking on the living. Many of them lived in, in, in ways that you and I could not even imagine oh, yeah, the squalor they yeah. lived in. While I empathize with them, I do think Lincoln was right. And I do think sure. it was worth everything was. he did. And I think it was. That it was the only way to, to fulfill the destiny of the country that was set forth exactly. from the beginning was to rectify this major, ugly, huge, you right. know, amputated Damn. part of our, our of our yes. body in this flaw. Lincoln had no choice. And and when he sent Sherman through to like basically just like burn it to the ground, meaning yep. the South, uh that's where uh the the real uh animosity was just like solidified again exactly. based on my understanding of history <clears throat> from a guy who I promise you was no slave sympathizer. Right. He was about as liberal as a teacher as you could have back in nineteen eighty nine when I was in school or whatever. But one of the things I always think about with Trump which it reminds me of of Lincoln. And you know, again, I'm not a historian on the scale that you are, but there's a handful of things I've studied some. And uh, Lincoln is one. It's been decades since I've done any serious reading on it. But one of the things I remember um, about Lincoln and uh, Ulysses S. Grant. So Lincoln had gone through something like seven or nine generals before Grant. Right. And each one was just a a wuss, basically. <laughs> yes, exactly. uh, they were just they were just cowardly. Like they just they just had no balls. They had no gumption. Yeah. And he he was he would. He, I remember a letter he wrote to the Secretary of State or something like that, basically complaining if they have a million troops, they would say they can't fight unless they have two million troops. Like right. there's yeah. always a reason they can't. And then along comes Grant, who was known as a womanizer, who was known as an alcoholic, who was yes. known as all these things. Right. Um, <laughs> for many years, he was he was. Uh, portrayed as one of the worst presidents ever, even though I think that's a little bit unfair. Yeah. But he had all these not very good character flaws, kind of like you would say about Trump. Yep. And Lincoln would time and again come back to, yeah, but he fights. Yeah, And I think that is what Trump represents for people now is, yeah, he's a guy that he has all these quirks and character flaws and he calls people women pigs. And I wish he wouldn't do that. And I wish he would yeah. just get the F off Twitter and everything would be a lot better. He would just not do that. But you know what? I don't care. He fights. Yeah. Well, yeah. fighting for me and nobody else gives a shit about me. Even these people who pander to me, he's the only one who really will fight. And I will put up with his character flaws because he's protecting my values. Well, isn't that the way it ends up with, with any of the tribal leaders? So, yeah. you know, whether, whether the tribal leader is Biden on his side, who just, you know, I mean, we're in, in, in our day, we're in full election season mode now. And so, yeah. you know, we, we see his speeches about, you know, the, uh, as you said earlier, democracy is on the line. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if this guy wins, it's basically, he's going to become a dictator. So yeah. both sides <clears throat> then come up with this, this uh, sort of rhetorical fighting. And eventually the problem is when that rhetorical fighting turns into physical fighting when it it degrades to the point because you can only yeah. you know you can only stand nose to nose with somebody and yell at him and call him a pig and call him you know horrible and call him whatever for so long before they start doing the same and it, it degenerates into fisticuffs yeah. right i mean that's that's how all bar fights start well i'm not i'm not an expert on bar fights never been in one never not, even seen one you, you mm -hmm. bar fight. come on dave I've never, never yeah. been in a bar fight. Hey, before you die, you can get at least one bar well, fight. I'll, even if you, I'll, even I'll if you just hide behind the guy halfway and do it, that's fine. 
Maybe maybe I'll go do a, do an unsilent podcast research project at the local yeah. bar down here. We're done and see how that turns Every out. Every man should be at least one bar fight in his life. I'm a firm believer in that. <laughs> I'll keep that. I'll, I'll put that out of my diary. So, but All you know, right. what's interesting about that is that isn't that the way that most of those situations start? They start with people getting angry with a little thing. They get angry with each other. It accelerates. It accelerates. And then at the end, the value is I just got to win. I just got to yeah. win. And by any means necessary, I just got to win. That's how wars start. That's how everything ends up spiraling out of control. And so I think for Kenny G in the future, when he looks at whatever the current angst is, uh, you know, at the near the end of the century, there it when it it accelerates in terms of noise and in terms of action to uh, to an extent where like this could really start blowing up any day now, then you yeah. know you're on the edge of what we're on the edge of right now. Right. Yeah. And just for people listening, like you keep hearing us talk about Kenny G and you're wondering who the heck is Kenny G. Kenny G is a guy that Dave and I made up. He's a guy who's part of what is now being referred to as generation gamma. He'll be born around the year 2040 and he'll be middle-aged around 2090, which is about the time Dave and I expect this cycle uh, will be uh, coming around again. And he'll 2090 is about when we would expect that they might be in a similar kind of situation. We, as we are now maybe 2100, but 2090 would be a few years before he would. In, in, and we're just trying to explain from our perspective, what this moment is like to help Kenny G either uh, prepare <laughs> or understand, uh, you know, just kind of what's going on because, you know, we're, we're using historical references that are centuries old at this point. Cause right. this only happens every 80 to a hundred years. Um, so that's who Kenny G is. That's why we say we'd love for you to tell us what your thoughts are, because we want to know legitimately, like, are we portraying what you think this moment feels like? We want to, we want to kind of chronicle this for Kenny G and the great way to do that is to go to our rumble page and leave a comment on the, the video there. It's a great way to do it. Go to unsilent podcast, like Dave said, but the point is we would like to have a, a complete story to tell Kenny G, not just, not just Dave and I. So if you think we're telling something that's, that doesn't feel quite right, please jump in and tell us. So anyhow, that's who Kenny G is. And I think that going back to what you were talking about, Dave, about the leaders, one of the things that I keep hearing, um, whether it's, you know, these buffoons on the, the news, you know, yeah. oh, I shouldn't even say news, uh, these buffoons on the pseudo news channels yeah. that are very partisan now. And, and it's, it's this constant volley of, okay, yeah, our guys, this, I, I, I get our guys not perfect, but their guy, look at their guy. Yeah. Right. And it's this constant thing of we we assess our guy on his intentions and we assess their guy on his outcomes. Right. Yeah. And, and, when, and this is this is where that's all okay until uh, the values are on the line and we are in figuratively, if not literally, in the trenches. Then I don't care about anybody's intentions. Right. I care about how well you can do the thing that's going to protect the guy next to you, protect our, our neighborhood, protect our town, protect our country, protect our, our value, you know, all those things. And, and, and how, um, how much energy you're putting into expressing how righteous you are for having the right beliefs <laughs> suddenly doesn't matter a whole lot no. anymore. I would imagine those situations. Right. And, and I think what happens in, in these situations that we're in right now, we think, how could we ever, how could we ever got, how could we have ever gotten to a place where brother from one state kills brother from another state? Yeah. It, it's, it's incremental. It's, it, you know, there's one outrage leads to another outrage. So, you know, 10 years ago, I don't think anybody was said, whoever's running, if they get enough votes and if they get the 
support of the parties in their state, they can be on the ballot. We we wouldn't have even considered this idea that we consider today like, well, no, <clears throat> we're, we don't like him. So um, we have these reasons he shouldn't be on the ballot. And yeah. and it's it's always possible whenever any line is crossed, whenever any door is opened, it's really hard to, to and what's really impossible to shut that line, to shut that door or to reinvigorate that line so people don't cross it again. And each one leads each each outrage essentially leads to the next one, which leads to the next one, which leads yeah. ultimately to the one where it becomes a physical conflict. Yeah, it becomes the the, the shots fired on Fort Sumter and, Sumter, and exactly. off of the races, right? Exactly right. Uh, you know, again, I'm not to. I'll try to. Hopefully, you or maybe maybe I can figure a way to drag us into a little more positive thing after <laughs> after going down this road. I'm going to go down here now. Um, one of the things you said earlier is like, I wonder what the future holds. I wonder, you know, kind of what's in store for us. And and one of the things I've been kind of sorting through is if my thesis is correct, which is values are at the pinnacle of the hierarchy, which includes religion, but it's not, sure. I would say uh, religion fits within values, not the other way around, but it, I could be wrong about that. I don't know, whatever. My point is some people see um, people with a theocratic uh, desire intention or want to rule the world. And I don't think that's entirely accurate. I think yeah. it's more about values and sometimes religion fits within the values. And right. oftentimes values are shaped from, from religion. I, so I don't question any yeah. of that part. But I don't think it's a Christians are trying to take over the U.S. I, I think they, right. the Christians lost, lost that battle many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if that thesis is correct, where the values are at the pinnacle of that of that hierarchy of needs, so to speak, and law is maybe you know a rung or two down from that, which I would think it'd probably be somewhere in that neighborhood, and the law is going to be pushed aside, well, then it opens up. Uh, a, a measurable number of, of possible outcomes, because if we're not going to, if the constitution is not going to be upheld or used to make decisions or um, states will just go rogue and just say, well, we don't care anymore. Like we decided that's right. insurrection and so be it. So the guy's not on the ballot. If that is the the path we're willing to go down and until I see evidence to the contrary, I'll keep assuming that we are then Lots of things are on the table. An entirely new governmental structure is on the table. Uh, we could sure. have King Obama, uh, possibly. We could, <laughs> there's lots of things that are on the table that that you and I might not even fathom, that uh, or or couldn't even imagine because we've had this legal protection to to make sure we are all adhering to the values we kind of had this unspoken agreement of. And I kind of look at the law like uh, you know I have a a 1971 Chevy pickup. That doesn't have a, a fancy security system. It has door locks. <laughs> if you wanted it in bad enough, you could get in. But I lock the door and people say things like, well, it's to keep the honest people honest. And I kind of feel like that's where the, uh, the, the law has been for the last little bit is keeping the honest people honest. But once that's willing to go away, um, you know, who knows what's in store for us. <clears throat> and we lost Dave. Dave's gone. Dave's in my A. Like, I don't know where he went. So um, I'll, I guess I'll bloviate for a minute and wait and see if he comes back. And if he does, we'll, we'll wrap things up. If not, again, one of the things we want to stress to you guys is if you haven't had a chance yet, go to unsilentpodcast.com. Uh, you can check, check out our social media channels there. Uh, really be um, best, probably the easiest way to co uh, comment or con uh, chime in and what we're talking about is go to our Rumble channel. 
uh, on the on the video, the section below the videos there, there's a little comment section. Be a great way for you to chime in and get, give your opinion. Tell tell Kenny G from your perspective what this moment in time was like for you. Tell tell Kenny G where you think Dave and I got it right. Tell tell uh, tell Kenny G where you think we got it wrong. The 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 pieces that are important that we're missing, the nuances that we're misunderstanding. We'd love to get your input on that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't think Dave's coming back. So uh, I guess a, a positive way to wrap this up is uh, something we talked about a few weeks ago, which is it seems like things are, are heading in a bad direction. And the good news is, the really good news is, on the other side of whatever um, perhaps unpleasantries are in front of us is a renewed uh, sense of a united uh, a united set of values like we're talking about and just just feeling that like we're all in the same boat again. If you look at what happened, what the 1950s looked like, it was it was us against the world and in a very positive way, not in a not in a condescending, not in a cruel way. But there was a tremendous amount of American pride and a tremendous amount of patriotism and people knowing we had done the right thing in World War II and knowing we were doing the right thing to fight communism and we will have that renewed sense of of unity once again once we get through whatever crisis is awaiting for us. So, the good news is from the guy who wrote the book, The Fourth Turning, uh, Neil Howe, which I would recommend reading. I think it's a fantastic book to explain how this cycle works. Uh, Neil kind of likens it to a divorce; like it was horrible, and and uh, we wouldn't want to go through that again. But it was the best thing that could have happened to us. And that's kind of what these cri- that's how kind of how he explains these crises is is. These things had to happen. We had to get through it. And I'm so glad we did. I'm, I'm going to be a, have a much better life and happier life now that I've gone through that. But I wouldn't want to go through it again. So it seems like that's the direct direction we're heading. And uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Glad to be part of, uh, part of uh, our family. And so until next time, this is Dave and Brian signing off. See you next week. Do you want to be on silent? Make your voice heard on our social media channels and share where you think we got it right or wrong. Go to unsilentpodcast.com for social links so you can join the discussion. 